Good morning, church. For the first 300 years of the church, there were signs, wonders, miracles, people prophesying, God using believers to do incredible things. That was the first 300 years till about 320, 330 AD. It was normal. Eusebius and Irenaeus, early church fathers, talk about raisings of the dead. This is our heritage. This is what Jesus came and paid the price for, that we could experience a fullness of relationship with him and the move of the Holy Spirit. Around 330 AD, things started to move sideways. A couple of big things, big decisions they made that took the church backwards. One of them was they said that ministries in the hands of only the clergy and only males could be clergy. Prior to that, it was all believers, and it was men and women. And the other thing that they started to change was they no longer believed in the moving of the Holy Spirit, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they started to shut that down. So what we're talking about today and over this past week before last and going forward is we are reclaiming our inheritance. We are reclaiming what God intended for His church from the very beginning. When the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up and he says, this was to fulfill what was prophesied before, that in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Now, there's no last, laster, lastest, okay? It's the last days. We are in that dispensation since then. So people who say the gifts of the Holy Spirit are no longer relevant are not saying that according to Scripture. We are in the dispensation of the move of the Holy Spirit. Now, beautiful story, which we'll look at in detail, but in the story in Acts chapter 3, there's a sentence where Peter says to the lame man, he says, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, get up and walk. And we are called to be these people who move in signs, wonders, miracles, prophecies on the streets and in the church. Now, Thomas Aquinas, famous religious leader from a previous era, based in the UK, England at that time, he went to Rome, went to the Vatican. He was Catholic. And he met with the Pope. The Pope was very pleased to have him. And he showed in the Vatican, and he showed him all the gold and the silver and the precious stones and how magnificent the Vatican was. And the Pope said, no longer can we as the church say, silver and gold have I none. And Thomas Aquinas said this to him. He said, yes, but I'm concerned that no longer can the church say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, look, I'd rather have both, okay? <laughs> but if I have to choose, if I have to choose, I'd rather choose the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd rather choose the signs, wonders, and miracles. Because from that comes everything, the life of God. So, won't you please stand with me as I read this passage of Scripture? We honor the Word as we do this. I'll read it. Now, Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer at three in the afternoon. And a man who was lame from birth was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful so he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for help. Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ Nazarene, get up and walk. 
then take him by the right hand. He raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, stood, started to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking, praising God, and they recognized he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Four simple points. The first one, it answers the why. Why do we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit? The second one, the who. Third one, the how. And then the last one, another, another why. The first why. Why do we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit today? We've got the word. But brothers and sisters, the word isn't enough. Because of the brokenness, because of sin, because of the crippledness of this world, because of its rebellion, we see it in marriages, we see it in families, we see it in, in bodies, we see it in depression, we see it in sickness, disease, and all kinds of maladies. Because we face a crippled world, we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what is so interesting about this, you can read it there, it says, they looked at him, third line from the bottom, Peter, along with John, looked at him intently. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I see somebody who's very down and out, very poor, sometimes maybe it's my embarrassment, my awkwardness, maybe I don't want to embarrass them, but I don't look at them. Am I the only one? Like you almost don't want to catch eye contact. You don't want to, you don't want to look at them in the eye. Peter and John Look at him intently. Can we have the courage, brothers and sisters, to behold the brokenness of the people around us? Can we have that, that honesty to, to actually face what is there? Because as we do, it's going to change our hearts. As we see the need, as we see the consequences of sin, as we see that things are not the way they're meant to be, something's going to rise up in us. And we're going to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Fill me, help me. This week on, on, on Monday, I spoke to the daughter of, of a lady that was at school with me. We were at primary school together, and, and her daughter's in her late 20s now. And uh, she was just in a desperate place. So she asked if she could speak to me on the phone. She lives in a different city. Talking to her on the phone. And um, as she told me her problem, I was just like, I don't know what to say here. I don't know what to say. I had, I had compassion. I had, and, um, but, I, but I didn't have the answer. I didn't have what she needed. But I said, let's pray. And my heart's breaking for her as I'm hearing the story. But that compassion upon my heart as I, as I cried out to God on the phone praying for her, at the end of the prayer, I knew what God wanted to do. And God gave me a word of knowledge, actually a word of wisdom. This is what you can do. But if I hadn't seen, if I hadn't looked intently into their problem, I don't believe I would have accessed God. I don't believe I would have felt the need to access God. You know, you read the story of the Good Samaritan and, and the Levite. He walked along and then when he saw this broken man, he went to the other side. And the priest as well, he went to the other side. Are you willing to look the needs around you in the eye? Are you willing to be that good Samaritan that brings Jesus 
And even when you don't have the answer, you're looking to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, you touch them. This is why we need more of the Holy Spirit. This is why we need more power so that we can bring God's solution in God's kingdom. So that's the first why. And another example is Jesus. It says, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, we should be moved with compassion. There should be a consequence to the passion, to the compassion that we have, that we are moved to action. The Bible says in James chapter 2, faith without works is dead. And it's awesome that we've got faith. But can we have more than just faith? Can we have faith that is seen in the things that we do? That, that moving, that moved with compassion, the, script, the, the actual Greek is it's like a deep moving of the bowels. Okay, don't, don't imagine too much. <laughs> but, but it's like a lot of movement. There's a lot of action happening there. Are you willing to be moved by God? Or do you just want to stay the way you are forever? So the first why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit is because of the broken, crippled world. Now, secondly, there is an invitation to partner. Now, yes, I know that God has given us a great commission and it's a commandment and, and we obey, but I, I want to use the term partnership deliberately to help you understand. Sometimes we become so mystical, so super spiritual. We become more Calvin than Calvin. We think if God means it to happen, it will happen. We think that being filled with the Holy Spirit and being used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is like, like we're puppets, like we're marionettes. But it's far more like having a, a senior partner and a junior partner. And we are the junior partners. And uh, I used to, my first three partners, the first business that I started, I had, I had three Jewish partners. And uh, they brought some finances and they brought some con con contacts. And uh, I was doing the work. But what was so great is that I could access those partnership funds and I could access some of the intellectual property and some of those con contexts, but I still had to step out and do things. And that's what it's like with God. We can access his power. We can access the authority that Jesus has got. We can access the Holy Spirit, but we still, as the junior partners, need to do some things. He said, Peter speaking, he says, what I have, I give you. And what was it? He had authority in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because of what Jesus has done, because of what Jesus did on the cross, conquered death, overcame, and rose again. And he said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. We don't go in our power. We don't go in our, our might. But as junior partners, we can access the power and authority of God. I want to give you an example, and it's going to sound like I'm lisping. I want to juxtapose the mythical, it's a cross between mystical and myth, okay? The mythical man and the spiritual man. So many people are mythical, and, and this is how they operate is, as in their partnership with God. They, go, they say something like this, God will tell me exactly what to do all the time, and if he doesn't, I do nothing. Okay, now, this is wrong. The other scenario that they think in their head is, I wait to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
And he tells me exactly what to do. And I, you know, I can't even remember what happened. I don't believe that's the way God moves. I believe he moves in partnership with us. And we are the junior partners. So this is what I believe is a far more accurate one according to Scripture. We know God's heart. And we are walking with him. And so you generally know what God wants to do. And if he wants to do something else, you're ready. And if he doesn't tell you, you know that people who are sick, you pray for. And people that are discouraged, you trust for prophetic words. And, you, and, you, and, the, and the spiritual man comes to recognize the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And although we are junior partners, we still play an active role. Now let's go to, back to Peter and John. How many of you believe, lift up your hand, that God told Peter, stop, pray for that man, lift him up? How many of you feel like God told him specifically to do that? Lift up your hands. How many of, some of you, okay. How many of you think that they were like, sick person, we pray? How many of you think that? Okay, and how many of you aren't talking to me today? In the middle of <laughs> yes, God does speak to us. Yes, God does prompt us to do specific things. But there's no indication in Scripture that God had spoken to them. But there's a clear indication that when the guy asked, they responded. They responded in faith. And sometimes we use this mythical approach, and it becomes an excuse for us not to do anything. The other aspect of, of the mythical man is, he says, I've got all gifts. You know, the day I was born. Actually, no, the day I was born again. You know, I had all the gifts. But it's not true. You know what the Bible says? That we should follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially prophecy. In other words, if you're a Christian and if you are maturing in God, a key aspect of it is that you are trusting for and you are pressing in for more of the Holy Spirit, for more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not for you. I mean, God's spoken to me in business and told me what to do, and it's, it's amazing. But you know what? You know what the best gift is? I know you're going to tell me prophecy, but, but the best gift is the gift that the church needs at that particular time. That's really the best gift. So it's not about us, but we should be pressing in for more of the Holy Spirit so that we can bless the body. You know, when you come to church on a Sunday, do you go, let's see who's preaching and I'll, I'll rate them. Seven out of ten was okay. Worship was really great. It was longer, nine out of ten. You know what would be a better way to come to church? would be like, here I come, Lord, who do you want me to touch? Who do you want me to minister to? Who do you want me to hug or pray for or do something to? And I know you're clapping for Jesus. So. <laughs> that would be a far better way to come. And, and to your connect group, not like, well, what time are they going to finish? No. What time, what time is God going to have done all that he needs to do? That needs to be our approach. What's so interesting, Mark 16, verse 20, it says, And they went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked through them, confirming his word by signs that accompanied it. Something happens when you go. You want to see signs, wonders, and miracles? More of it will happen when you go. As you get out there, as you start to share the gospel, as you start to love on people, as you get out of your chair and pray for the person later on in the service. 
as you go, as you walk across the room, God's going to do it. There's three things that God wants to do today. He wants to come upon people who's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He wants to give gifts to people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit and start, that you start to become a blessing to this world and to the body of Christ. And he wants to move through people today, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and have got gifts. God wants to use you. So you fall into one of those three categories, I think. You know, I hope. You know, either you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you want gifts or you've got it and, and you're willing to be used. So we are called to partner with God. And, and we partner with the Holy Spirit. He's our counselor, and, and he gives us authority. We're the junior partners, but we operate in authority of the senior partner. And he gives us dunamis, strength, ability. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he gives us anointing, and it's spoken about in 1 John 2 verse 20. It's not that we're so awesome, but it's God so awesome moving in and through us. And this is what is available and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to teach them in, in any detail today, but, but these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Word of knowledge and word of wisdom and prophecy and faith and healings and miracles and discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. And, you know, for me, it's like an adventure. It's like every day, Lord, which gift can I be used in? And who can I touch? And when I go running with my secular running crew, it's like, okay, Lord, give me a word. And the one time I just gave this prophecy, long table, there's 20 of us, all secular, and I say, God wants to say this to you. And she goes, how did you know? <laughs> but God reveals things to us, not to make us look good, so that they would, their hearts would be open and they would come to Jesus. And this whole story in Acts chapter 3, if you read on Acts chapter 4, Peter gets up and preaches again, and people respond, and Another 2,000 get added to the church, and they get persecuted for it. But the kingdom advances. Are we willing to partner with God? Now, I used to work for the infamous firm of Arthur Anderson. They collapsed under Enron. This is ancient business history. But uh, when I joined that firm, and they gave us all these rules of being in the company, and um, guys that were partners, there's all kind of partnership rules. And let me tell you, there's two partnership rules that I want to highlight to you about partnering with the Holy Spirit. The first one is, if you've been given it, be faithful with it. If you've been given a gift of the Holy Spirit, then keep pressing in and keep refining and getting better at it. Paul writes to Timothy, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying in of hands. People had laid hands on him. Well, it was him, actually. Paul had laid hands on Timothy, and God had given spiritual gifts to him. And he's saying to him, don't let the flame die. And some of you used to prophesy. Some of you used to trust for miracles. Some of you used to see God move powerfully in and through you. And I want to challenge you. Can you get back to that? Can you get back to doing those former things that were good and awesome and not become like one of these, like, well... Of course, I'm a Christian. I'm not Jewish. I'm not Muslim. Do I look Muslim? And that's not the point. It doesn't matter how you look. It's, is God moving in and through you? And are you being faithful with the gift that you have? And the second is, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know how you grieve the Holy Spirit when you sin? You grieve Him when you don't do what He's telling you to do. 
Have I grieved the Holy Spirit? Sadly, yes. And, and what do you do if you've grieved the Holy Spirit, if you've resisted him, if you've gone against him? You know, he's trying to speak to you. He's trying to challenge you. He's trying to call you up. I mean, you speak. You speak to God. You speak to the Holy Spirit and you repent. It's not like Star Wars, the force, you know? You know? I just need to get in touch with the force again. No. Okay, it's a person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. And we need to get in touch with the Holy Spirit and walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit and not grieve the Holy Spirit. There's this thing um, in uh, the rancor on the internet, so it must be true. And, and, uh, and, and it describes the greatest partnerships of all time. Starting at number four, Han Solo and Chewbacca. Oh, yeah. Number three, Bert and Ernie. Anyone know who Bert and Ernie is? They're the Muppets. Number two, Batman and Robin. Number one, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> okay, maybe you prefer business partnerships. Bill Gates and Paul Allen, Microsoft. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, Apple. Maybe you prefer political ones. Nelson and Winnie Mandela. All great partnerships. But let me tell you, the greatest partnership of all is you and the Holy Spirit. It's you and the Holy Spirit. And it's available. And it's an invitation. Will you partner with the Holy Spirit? Will you allow God to use you? And will you step up to the plate? When you see sick people, when you see discouragement, will you trust for a prophetic word? Will you stand in the gap and bring Jesus to people? Third thing that we see here is incredible courage. So, Peter and John, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, and then they start pulling him up. Have you ever done that kind of stuff? You know what? I want to love God, and I want to love people who need Jesus, who need help. I want to love them more then I love my own reputation. And I want to fear God more than I fear the opinions of the world. So I want to step out and, and do it with courage. And you know what the word courage comes from? It's from the word kur, which means heart. We need to do a bit more stuff from the heart and a bit less stuff from the mind running the probabilities, you know, there's a 73% chance that he doesn't get healed. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. What if he does? Has every person I've prayed for been healed? No. But you know, I've never had anybody be upset with me that I've prayed for them. And what I do, and, and uh, my, um, Matt stays with Nicola and I, lives in our cottage, which is great with the traveling that I do. And... Um, Matt said to me, he says, you know, one of the things that he, he notices that I do well, and I'm just not trying to make myself look good here. He says, I pray for people quickly. So I don't wait for people to sign in triplicate and say, yes, I'm willing to be prayed for. Okay? I will be with unbelievers. I'll be with like semi-whatevers. And I'll be like, I'm going to pray for you right now. You know? and, and before they even have said yes or no. And, they, <laughs> and I don't even wait for them to say yes. I've put my hand on their shoulder and I've prayed for them and I've never had them slap, my, slap me away. 
But then God moves and they experience something of God and there's a miracle or they experience the presence of God. Can we be people of courage? And if we, if we feel like God is prompting us that we speak, you don't have to say, Thus saith the Lord. You can just be like, I'm feeling, this is what I'm feeling. You, know, you, you can couch it in language where there's you know, a little bit of risk mitigation, but nevertheless, you are still stepping out and stepping across. So, what does courage look like? Yeah. It's actually just walking across the room or stretching across the aisle or getting out of your desk and going to the person and saying, hey, let's go for lunch and can we talk about God? It's just stretching out your hand and it's just opening your mouth and trusting God that his authority, his power, his grace will back you up. He's the senior partner, you're the junior partner. He does his part, will you do yours? The fourth point, fourth and last point, is do you love that which God loves? We are called to love the body of Christ. We are called to minister to the body of Christ. We are called to be passionate to see health and strength in the body of Christ. And you know how it comes? When the body ministers to the body. Let's not go back to Constantine and be like, well, the priest must do it. You know? Those who have been to Bible school for 15 years, you know, and they and, and want a young priest. So he's got to be 20, but he's been to Bible school for 15 years. You know? All these kind of, and we create hurdles for people. God wants to use you. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Can you open your circle and not just be concerned about you, but be concerned about your connect group and, and, and the church? Can you move in love? Can your love cause you to prophesy and minister? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 12 says, Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, strive to excel in gifts that build up the church. There's given direction to us in terms of the gifts. It's not just for the broken world. It's also for the church. That every environment that we come into when we are meeting as church, we are coming and trusting for the move of the Holy Spirit. A recap. There's a, there's a crippled but broken world. There's an invitation for us to partner. There's a call for courage. And there needs to be a love for the body. Um,